We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ivy Nation, welcome to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is a Friday, which of course means it is Friday, free-for-all mailbag. Ryan Roberts, Brian Driscoll here with the best show of the week each and every week because you all get to flood us with great questions. You all get to lead the conversation. This is Friday, free-for-all mailbag. We were literally sitting, prepping for the show, and there were 39 questions that were yeah. already starred before the show has even begun. What? So shout out to you all, man. You 42 already. Yeah, 43 now. Man, so hot and heavy, folks. Keep those mailbag questions coming. If it's your first mailbag with us, MB in front of the question to easily distinguish between what is a mailbag question and what is just general conversation going on in the chat. Really much appreciate it. We're going to get into this really quick. Hope everybody else out there knows having a great day and it's not a tornado warning in New Jersey like it is for <laughs> me right now. But excited to be back here for Friday for Roll Mailbag. Had some in Ohio yesterday too, yeah. Glad it's not here in Indiana. That's for sure. Yes, yes. No, yeah. Not fun, man. I was literally getting yeah. set up, and I hear it like almost hailing outside and coming down like cats and dogs. And then we, you know that stupid um, warning you get on your phone. It's just like beep, beep, beep. That's yeah. my phone was just going insane, yeah. man. I'm like, come on, yeah. man. Here we go. Yeah. So if you hear some thunder in the background at some point here, folks, yeah. just everything's going to be okay. Like that. And if okay. Ryan disappears for a while, we'll know what happened. <laughs> That's it, man. But so I think Brian, we should get yeah. to as many questions as we possibly can to get us yeah. kicked off here, man. Because yeah, you, man. Man, you never know. You never Let's know. get rocking and rolling. Yeah. That's good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
We had a super chat from Rob Osgood. Rob, thank you so much for the question. Really do appreciate it. So I know it's been said, but when is Marcus Freeman going to look at certain coaches and say, enough is enough. Coaching, recruiting go hand in hand. Thank you, guys. IB boards rock. So, Ryan, obviously this is in reference to safety recruiting and with Chris O'Leary and the latest offer and and a kid that we, you know, if if he's a take that we anticipate him being in the class at some point in time, and that is Tabron Benny Powell, who I saw we you and I watched film of yesterday. You know, we talked before the Notre Dame camp. I said, hey, look, Ryan, this is a guy you're going to want to keep an eye on. They're going to work this kid out, see how he does. We both watched the film. It was okay. And then I watched him at camp, and he was okay. And then he got offered. And I just think it says a lot about where safety recruiting is at Notre Dame the last three years. I mean, you had a, a nice class last year. I like Ben Minich and Don Schuller, both very high on those kids, but you were a guy short. You completely struck out in 2022 like literally struck out like zero dudes in 2022 and then this year you know you've got kennedy erlacher who i like you know i'm 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 higher on him than most but you know he needs to be the third guy in your class not the number one or number two guy in the class you know we feel good about where they're with bronte johnson and you know beyond that it's just kind of like hey you know who's that third guy going to be now what I do, what I would expect, Ryan, is even if they do somehow end up with, you know, Tabron, uh, uh, Benny Powell, right? It's it's a Benny bit of a tongue Powell. twister. Yes. Then what I what I would I would assume that they're going to still keep their eye out for another guy. You know, they would still take a Malcolm Ziegler. They would still take, and I think because they're gonna they're not going to go to six on the D line. You know, they're not going to go to four at receiver. There, there's a there's some ways they can make it work with a fourth safety. I'm not actually opposed to it depending on who that fourth safety is because the, the, this, this, this is not, this is sort of spin, but this is just sort of, it's actually what I think if they were still, let's just say the kid commits later today, just hypothetically. And Malcolm Ziegler shows up, they knock his socks off like they did Micah Gilbert, right? Cause Micah Gilbert came on campus very much in the same position uh, Malcolm Ziegler is, which is, and if you didn't, by the way, listen to Ryan's uh, weekend recruiting preview, he recorded last, uh, this morning, we put it up. It's on the podcast app at Irish breakdown podcast app. You can also watch the video. If you just want to look at his pretty face with the pink background, uh, he, he did that from his, his daughter's room, which I thought was, you know, a little pink, but also very adorable. But beautiful, uh, but really previewed the importance of this weekend's visit, Ryan, because it's a huge weekend. And Malcolm Ziegler, I would argue, might be the most important guy on campus in some ways, in some ways. He's not the most talented guy. That's Kingston, easily. But might be the most important when you look at where they are with the safety depth chart. And so you he gets on campus, you knock it out with Malcolm Ziegler, and then he somehow joins in the class. Then all of a sudden – I don't feel so bad about where they are at, at, you know, linebacker if they don't get Kingston. I don't love it. It's still a problem. But at least safety now had a really strong class. This kid, to me, can be a rover. So if Teddy Rezac grows into a will like they think he can do, we'll see. Now, if if Bodie Cahoon can play Mike, again, a lot of ifs here. This is a kid that could be kind of a nickel rover in, in, in situations. And that's where you and I like him, Ryan. That short area quickness, that downhill ability. He's a... He's a striker as a hitter. The problem is, as a third-level guy, he just doesn't run well enough. He doesn't flip his hips well enough. 
he doesn't cover well enough to be a back-end safety for a team trying to win a championship. But you put him in the box, you put him in the alleys, and he can bring some value to, to what you're doing. But you have to really kind of twist yourself in knots to get there based on what we've seen so far. Now, talking to people last night, Ryan, there are some 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 folks that that I trust that say you're just going to have to wait and see on this one. We feel good about it. We've heard, you know, we'll see. But from what I see on film, what I saw yesterday, Ryan, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then going to this question from Rob Osgood, you're at the point now where you've got some, you've got three whole classes to evaluate by the time this thing is over with. To, to be, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can answer this question right, right now, Rob, because we're still six months away from signing day. And to me, it matters who you finish with, not where you are in June. But with what we're seeing right now, Ryan, barring something unexpected that you and I can't anticipate right now, it's not looking good. And there's been a lot more bad than good at safety recruiting. You know, you lost Peyton Bowen. You lost Brandon Hillman. It just hasn't been, you know, you, nobody in 2022, you, you really got your butt whooped for almost every top player that you wanted outside of Bronte Johnson, who you're in a good place with. And at some point in time, you got to be able to say, hey, look, I know this guy's a really good coach, but he if he, he's got to step it up on a recruiting trail. I mean, he has to. And, I, you know, I think defensive line is more important to bring in the impact talent, but you just can't keep getting your butt whooped. And it'd be one thing if they would have found this kid early and said, hey, boy, we really love this kid and, you know, we're on him before everybody else. But it's clear that you didn't get on this kid until you whiffed on everybody else. I mean, that that's the, re- that's, that's the thing. Like, Anthony Knapp, you and I uh, – have a somewhat similar opinion of Anthony Knapp. It's not as high as what Notre Dame is, but you know where I'm, where I'm like, okay, with coach, Rudolph, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because this was an, an evaluation he's been making over the last year. And he's convicted on this evaluation. And he went after him. Like one of the first things he did when he got to Notre Dame was try to convince the other coaches that Anthony Knapp's a guy that we need to go get. They brought the kid up. He pounded on the table. He's in the class. Now we'll find out if that's a good or a bad evaluation, but that was a, I love this kid. He fits what I want to do. I think he's really talented. I think he's better than most people think. Let's go get this kid. I'm good with that, right? We'll see. We'll see if you're right or wrong, but I'm good with that. Same with Isaiah Canyon. There were other highly ranked guys on the board, but they said, man, we love this kid. This kid's got a ton of talent. We don't care what the rankings say. We want this guy. And and I don't care about these other highly ranked guys. They went after him while other highly ranked guys were on the board. I'm good with that. This is a desperation move. And that's not a shot at the kid. I, the problem in situations like this is a lot of times we, we, we as fans tend to take it out on the kid. We bash the kid. He sucks. He's this, he's that. And this kid's just working hard trying to, you know, make his dreams come true. This is a coaching problem. And I hope the kid proves me wrong and makes me eat my words in a few years. I really do. I always root for that when I don't think a kid can play at Notre Dame. But the fact is, is when you follow the process, you realize they're here because they struck out on a bunch of other dudes. And you have to, if you can't look in the mirror, this is what we said, Ryan. Coach Freeman ultimately is going to be evaluated by can he make the tough choices? And if safety recruiting doesn't improve, there's going to be some tough choices he's going to have to make. And we're going to find out if he can do it. And honestly, a lot of times that's what separates the great coaches from the good ones. That was something that doomed Brian Kelly, his inability to recognize and do something about bad hires before it was too late was a big problem that he had whether it was Phil Longo whether it was Brian Van Gorder whether it was Jeff Quinn I mean go down the line of guys Dell Alexander there were just all these guys where his inability to say 
this guy is not it. And even Charlie Molnar, he should have been gone after one year. I mean, yeah, you got rid of him after two, but he should have been gone after one year. There were way too many of those instances. Now, and, and those instances drowned out all the good hires Brian Kelly made. And so, you know, you your 15 staff, had, you, that team should have a chance to compete for a title. I mean, you had a great old line coach. I thought Mike Denbrock did a great job as the OC. I thought he was an excellent tight ends coach. You know, you, you, I mean, excuse me, uh, wide receivers coach. You know, you had a good running backs coach and, and Tony Alford leading up to that. Autry Denson comes in. He ended up being a problem as a recruiter. He was an okay position coach. You know, you had a good D-line coach. You had a good DB coach, but you had two big problems, your strength coach and your defensive coordinator, and those did you in. Masked all that other stuff, all the strong recruiting classes, all that stuff. Everybody talks about recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Notre Dame had a higher-ranked recruiting class leading into the 2015 season, the year that Clemson beat them and played for the title. In four of the five previous years, Notre Dame had a higher-ranked recruiting class than Clemson. Same in 2016. They had a higher-ranked recruiting class in Clemson, I think, in, in five of the previous six or four of the previous five years then as well. It, but it was the coaching was better. And, and so this is going to be a test for Coach Freeman. It's, it, it's one of two things. Either A, fix the problem, meaning you figure out why you're having this problem and, and work with Chris O'Leary to fix it, or you've got to make a, an even tougher decision. But either way, at the end of the day, He's going to be judged on, you know, can, can you make those tough decisions? That's ultimately what every head coach has to do. Nick Saban's had to do it. Urban Myers had to do it. Dabo's had to do it. Every great Kirby's had to do it. Every, and, and he'll have to do it again more because it always happens. And that's going to be something that's going to help us determine if Coach Freeman really has what it takes to, to, to win a championship. And sometimes it means making those tough decisions of moving on from someone who you think is a great guy. To, and here's the weird thing, Ryan. There's such a huge disconnect. Chris O'Leary is a really good position coach. His players love him. He played a huge role in getting Antonio Carter and Thomas Harper. But yet, when it comes to high school recruiting, I, he, there's he, it's he, he struggles. Even if they get Bronte Johnson, they got Bronte Johnson, right? Because Bronte wanted to come to Notre Dame. I mean, he's an Indiana kid. Yes, he knows Notre he's Dame. Done every, like, he yeah, he would have yeah, done. Yeah. You know, he he's done the work to get here. It didn't matter who the position coach was. I would argue the same thing with Kennedy Erlacher. So you just look at it. I just it's hard to figure out. But that's my rant, Ryan. I'll let you. I there's a lot that I said there, so you can address kind of whatever parts of that you want to address as a follow up. I mean, everyone keeps asking on the board. They're like, "What is the disconnect with you know Coach O'Leary? Like he's young, he's energetic, he seems like a good position coach. Like what is it?" And I. I feel like I keep saying the same thing over and over again, Brian. I'm just like, I don't know, guys. Like, I, I don't know. You know, like even the the kids he lands, you know, for the most part, like they speak very highly of him. You know, like I know I know Ben loved him last year. Don loved him. Like, I, I don't know, man. It's just it, it's it's a weird situation right now. I think that the process has been very frustrating this year for safety recruiting, especially. It's been very and for the last couple of years it has been. But this year it's been especially frustrating because it could also end up being if you get Bronte in a few days here, if you are able to maybe have a dynamite visit with Malcolm Ziegler and you get Malcolm Ziegler in the class, then all of a sudden you look at him and be like, that's a dang good safety group. Like that's good. (laughs) It's really good. But the process is bad. So if the process is that bad, I agree with you. The end result is all that matters. But if the process is consistently bad, the end process is not going to be consistently good every every single year. It's go, There's going to be some years, like 2022, for instance, where you do strike out. There's going to be some 2023s where you get a 
couple, well, one decommit and then another one that has an issue of getting into school conversation, right? There's, there's always going to be some issues that arise. So yes, I think that the coaches, we've talked about this before, some great coaches struggle with this early in their career of mm-hmm. being too their guys, right? My guys, my guys. We talked about this offseason. Marcus Freeman hired a lot of his buddies, quote unquote, guys that he knows, guys that he's comfortable with. Well, when you do that, hires that we fine. liked, by the way. I yes. mean, right. Go so ahead. we're not we're not criticizing him for that. But yeah, no. go ahead. No, you're getting you're getting people around you that you trust and that you know know your process and will help you get to the results and you have a you have a similar mindset with things. But the problem with that can be, and I'm not saying it's going to be a problem with Coach Freeman. I'm just saying that it what could be a problem in that situation is that you aren't able to move on from your buddies. You're not able to make that tough decision. So will that be an issue for Marcus Freeman? I don't know. But to your point, Brian, if things keep trending in the right direction, again, I'm, I'm not calling a coach to be fired, or but I, I am calling for if things don't get better, Marcus, you need to like have a little bit of a self-realization you thing of like, your staff. Right. Like, what that looks like, I don't know, but you well, got to fix it. Yeah, whether that is – assistance in some regard, whether that is uh, like Coach O'Leary, tell me how you're talking to these kids, like what you're talking about, right. what your process is. Like, let's fix the process. Whatever it is, something has to be fixed because right yeah. now it is an issue. It's a big issue. I'm glad you said that, Ryan, because that's something people have to understand too. Sometimes it's not about firing a guy. It's about fixing a problem. And if it comes down to it with like a guy like Dell Alexander, he just, he, what did he bring to the table? Right. I mean, he, he wasn't recruiting. He wasn't a very good coach. Like there, there was no value there. Brian Van Gorder literally brought zero value to the program. Like that should have been an easy one. When you look at a guy like Chris O'Leary, you look at it, and if you just put everything into to sections, he's acing a lot of sections. At the very least, he's doing pretty good at a lot of sections. Transfer portal. You talk to anybody that, that's involved in this. Antonio Carter said it in our show, on our show about how Chris O'Leary was the one that first got him interested in Notre Dame and, and was the guy that got him on campus and helped him, you know, I'm going to play for this guy. Same with Thomas Harper. No- Notre Dame was behind on Antonio Carter, yes. too. So there was some ground to yes. cover. I, like, I remember when I talked to him the first time when he had just set up his visit, he was talking about Wisconsin. He was talking about Ole Miss. Like, there were other schools that were yeah. high up the board, and Notre Dame had to come from the back, and Chris O'Leary was a big reason for that. Right. No Same with Thomas Harper. The players love them. So there's there's something there and, and that, that is just creating this disconnect. I don't know what it is. Maybe sometimes you can try too hard if you catch my drift. You know, like, dude, you're not being yourself. Like, you're trying to relate. And that can be a big problem for younger coaches where they just feel like I'm old. I'm young enough to where I can be hip and cool and all. Like, no, 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 no. Don't, just, just, dude, if anything, you need to act older. You can relate to them because you listen to the same music, you play the same games and things like that. But you're a father, you're a husband, you're not on their level anymore. You're a coach. Be a coach, you know, and 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 do it that way. May, may, I don't know what it is, Ryan. I'm just saying, like, it's weird that there's this disconnect between he's doing well here, he's doing well here, he's doing well here, and he's terrible over here. That doesn't necessarily mean fire that means figure out what's going on here and fix it and if that means marcus freeman needs to take a step back from recruiting receiver and quarterback and whatever else and he needs to focus on helping with linebackers and safeties because you think hey i can get the safeties this guy can coach them up okay fine but you gotta fix it because just doing what you're doing isn't 
isn't what you need to do, isn't going to work, right? So I don't know what the answer is. They're the ones there every day. They're going to know. I just know what the problem is because I see it's like this, Ryan. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to, I mean, you, you're a dad. You can look at your daughter and be like, uh, she's sick. Well, why? I, I don't know why. I just know she's got 103 fever and it's not coming out of her nose. And she's, yeah. you know, like, she's I know she's sick. Different. I can't diagnose right. it. I, you know, and so, but you know, it's going on. We know there's a problem. And now it's up to, you know, coach Freeman and the staff to figure out what's going on, really dive into it and then fix it. And even if they get Malcolm Ziegler, that needs to happen, Ryan, because what do we always yes. say about the team? It's you've got to be more focused on the process than the end result. Yeah. And and the end result matters. But if the end result this year, you're like, okay, we kind of pulled one out of our hat a little bit this year. We got fortunate because there was a big time safety in our backyard that wanted to be here. There was a NFL legend son who I played with, who, you know, who values Notre Dame. You, who played that's in Chicago. Not gonna, like. Yeah, that's not going <laughs> to yeah. be there next year in 2025. Yeah. You know, so you're, you know, you're not going to have those same benefits. And so that that's, and that was like something that I criticized Jeff Quinn for. It was like, yeah, everybody talks about good of a recruiting job. He didn't, he did a good job recruiting, but it's like Blake Fisher was not a hard recruit to land at Notre Dame. Right. I mean, Joey Tonona was not a hard recruit to land at Notre Dame. I mean, you know, like some of these, some of these were like, did it really matter who the offensive line coach was for some of those guys? Right. Like that's what you have to tell yourself, ask yourself and then figure out where. So I just know it needs to get addressed, Ryan. And I, I wanted to bring, I'm glad that he did it as super chat. Cause I did want to get to that question kind of early so we can kind of get it out of the way sure. and discuss it. And uh, now we have, and can I just no, add can. one thing, Brian, is because I, I know that the, the initial response, and I completely understand this because I think Nathan may have said this in the chat or in the message board as well, that your initial thought is he's young, he's charismatic, he can coach. What's the issue in recruiting? And a lot of people will go, it's efforts. No. I, I don't think that it's true. I don't think it's true. I don't think it's an effort thing because even the guys that he misses on, I always hear his name associated. Like, yeah. This guy talks to me. This guy talks to me. I don't think it's an effort thing. I really don't. Because, Ryan, you've pointed out, like, we don't hear Al Golden's name enough with kids. We just don't. That's a problem. Th- that's not the issue. Like, when we would talk to receivers under the previous regime, it was a lot of times it's like, oh, I love Coach Reese. I love Coach Freeman. I love, you know, it was never, G Coach Alexander's just crushing my recruiting. You know what I mean? Right. It was, it was not that. And so, that's not been the problem. Like you said, that's not been the problem with Chris O'Leary. I mean, maybe, no. maybe there that, that he, you know, kind of like we talk about like Deion Colsey receiver. Maybe there's a level of consistency that he's not reaching yet. And that could be the problem. Sure. And maybe during certain times of the year, maybe he's great when it's not in season, but then when he gets to spring ball, he loses track of kids because he's so focused on coaching because he's a young coach. I mean, there may be things like that, that you've got to figure out and address like, okay, look, man, I'm looking at your call log. And during spring, your calls fell off 65% or texts fell off 65%. Everybody else has only fell off 15% because there's going to be a fall off during, during spring ball, during fall camp. But you're falling off even more. We got to figure out maybe you're not managing your time appropriately during certain. I, I don't know the answers to it, folks. I'm just telling you things that as a former recruiting coordinator that we would have to look at and I'd have to look at and find answers. So when I go to my head coach, I have to be able to say, hey, look, Here's why we're struggling at linebacker recruiting. Here's what we can do to fix it. Sometimes it could be, hey, we, we, we looked at the wrong areas. We put our stock in the right kids. Safety recruiting. Like I, I think Chris O'Leary did a really good job with Oliver Miles. So did Chad Bowden. But you know what they did a bad job with? Identifying that he was a kid that was going to struggle going away from home. That That's on you. That's a mistake. The effort was there. It was the – it was you know, not – I don't – 
I don't fault them for losing Peyton Bowen last year. I fault them for not realizing sooner and trusting the kid too much and not doing a deeper dive into some other areas to know that, hey, we're going to get left at the altar on this one. Yeah. And then having more backup plans in place. So the, so those are the things you look at and say, you there's, there's clearly a problem. You've got to figure it out and figure it out quickly or they're going to continue to have, excuse me, a lot of these same problems moving forward. Yep. Agreed. Let's have some fun, Ryan. I think this next question is going to be a lot more fun. Irish Shytown says, IB, what are your top three Notre Dame homer picks for the 2023-2024 season? So I, I like it. I like it when you say it like this because we're because we can be we got we can be homers because we're being asked to be homers, right? Right. Sure. Like so. So that's uh, it's kind of like a bold prediction. So let's have a little bit of fun with this one. I'm going to give you my three Notre Dame homer picks of the year. Number one, they're going to play in the championship game. Sure. Right? Now, my homer picks, Ryan, are going to be homer picks, but they're also going to be things I believe to be realistic as like possibilities. So I'm not going to say they're going to go thir- 14 to 0 and win every game by 40 and and you know win every major. I'm trying to be things that I actually think can happen, but are also homer picks. They're right. going to play for the championship. Are they going to win it or not? We'll see. They're going to play for it. Sam Hartman's going to win the Heisman, <laughs> and Notre Dame is going to uh, have three All Americans on their defense. First, second, or third team All Americans on their defense. Like it. I'm going to say Benjamin Morrison. I'm going to make predictions on who Benjamin Morrison, Xavier Watts, Mm. and Riley Mills. Interesting. And then we're going to be complaining about how Cam Hart should be on it, but he's going to get shafted because they won't put two Notre Dame cornerbacks on it. That that's my, that's part of my, my Homer picks. That's my three Homer picks, Ryan. What are your three Homer picks? Well, I'm going to, so Two of the ones that you just said were actually ones that I were going to say. So I'm just going to combine it into one. Let me so see. That I don't, Playing for the don't championship and then the Sam Hartman yeah. Heisman. Yeah. yeah, that's the ones. Because I think those ones are so interrelated, right? It's like yes. if Notre Dame wins a championship, it's probably because Sam Hartman was a ball. And vice versa. If he's <laughs> in the Heisman yeah. content, he's they're going to be really good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that'll be one. I'll, I'll throw that one up there. I will say another homer pick for me would be that – Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison combined for 10 plus interceptions Interesting. in 2023. That'll be one. Cause I really think, I think, I think Cam has ball skills, man. I just think that it hasn't been consistent. Cause there's just a lot of times where they just don't throw at him. Like I think yeah. they're just going to throw at Cam Hart a lot more this year. And you're gonna be like, dang, Cam Hart got like five or six interceptions this year. Like that's wild, man. That's a little wild. I know you didn't listen to many shows last week because you were yeah. dealing with your baby. Yes. When during our DB show that Vince and I did last Tuesday, that was literally my bull, one of my bull predictions. They're going to have at least 10 interceptions at cornerback. So you went even bolder. You said it's going to be those two. I, yes. I can dig that. I can dig yes. that. Oh, man. I mean, uh, let's hope. Because I, th- I think that the great thing about Notre Dame is because all these things are interrelated. Because if Notre Dame is that good, it means they're probably front running in a lot of games, right? Which means other teams are putting the ball up a lot, which means – interceptions happen that that's what tends to happen mm-hmm. in those types of areas so that one and then i will say jordan Batelho has 11 plus sacks in 2022 i'll go one over 10 because i think that i think 10 is very doable i think that he could be in the realm of like wow he had as many sacks as isaiah foskey had last year like, that's pretty wild it's pretty wild because i Man, I just I think if that kid can play consistent, and I know that that's a big if because we haven't seen it consistently, 
while he's been at Notre Dame yet. I think that he could be one of the better, just pure pass rushers in college football. Not saying complete defensive ends, not saying complete edge players in college football, but just pure pass rushers. I mean, again, if he just is able to take that momentum for what he did at South Carolina, two sacks, 10 hurries, and just put that in a larger sample size, I think the kid's going to be silly productive. I really do. So that would be another one. I'll just throw in one more in, Brian. Why not? Let's go like six deep here. Jane Greathouse, freshman All-American. I'll throw that last one in there. Okay, I dig that. Yes, I dig that. I could dig that. I don't even really view that as a homer pick, though. I view that as like, yeah, okay, sure, sure. Now, here's a question: Who are your other uh, freshman All-American wide receivers? Do you have a Do you have a prediction for that? Oh, for other teams? Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. Um, Carnell Tate. I mean, he's. Gonna Let's say you have to pick three. Let's yeah. say you have to pick three. Okay, I'm so. going to say freshman All-American. Let me think about this. I think you got second. one. You've got two now because I agree yeah. with I agree with the I think Cardinal will will have a shot to be in that conversation for sure. I'll say that Zachariah Branch at USC is a freshman All-American because he'll it, maybe he'll be an all-purpose All-American because sure. he's returning punts and doing all that type of stuff. But I think that kid's a baller, man. He's yeah, very good. Let's say he's going to be the all-purpose All-American and let's yeah. go with one more receiver. Okay, uh, one more receiver. Let me think here. I might just I got one. Ohio State kids. I got yeah, one. You, you, you give me one. I got one. I'm going. Yeah. You, you know, and I've been on this hype train for a while. Shelton Sampson at LSU. I think there's going to be a great opportunity for him to step in and get a lot of playing time this year. He's a big kid. He can run. He can stretch the field. Teams are going to be putting a lot of emphasis on trying to stop Malik Neighbors. Sure. Uh, did I say his name right? I, his, is Malik, it Malik? Neighbors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For, I get him and Mason Smith mixed up, so sometimes okay. I want to call Malik Smith and Mason Nate. Just yeah, the the double A Mason baby. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. got to get it right. <laughs> I think he's going to have a, a kid that's going to have a really good year. Now, yeah. of course, it's going to end up being someone like we've never thought of. It's going to be like some kid that was ranked like third, you know, fifty ninth amongst all the receivers or something like that, right? It's going to be somebody like that. Another sure. guy that I could Hamilton see Hamilton steps into the slot role for North yeah. Carolina and catches a million passes. Right. Awesome. Another guy that yeah. I keep, I'm keeping my eye on too, is Jonte Cook from Texas. I really like Jonte Cook, and I think that there's going to be an opportunity for him to play at Texas this year. So it's going, yeah. it's a really good receiver class, Ryan, and I could see a lot Perfect. of those kids playing as freshmen. You know, like we're talking about Cardinal Tate. We didn't mention Brandon Ennis and Noah Rogers. And I actually was higher on. I was higher on Brandon Ennis yeah. than Carnell. But yeah. Carnell Same here. Seems to be killing it. Well, so I think it's about opportunity is what yeah. I think it's going to be. You know, I, I don't believe Brandon Ennis was an early enrollee. Carnell was kind of able to come in and, you know, get himself. He's a little bit more nuanced. I mean, Brandon Ennis spent half of his high school career playing quarterback. You know, where you know, so oh, he's dynamic, but there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve when you have that deep of a chart. And a guy like Cardinal, the thing we always talk about with Cardinal is I've wavered back and forth on his ceiling, yeah. But the one thing we always thought he had one of the highest floors in the class, and the high floor guys tend to be your freshman All Americans more so than the holy moly, that guy ended up being really good type of guys. I have one more, a little bit of an under-radar pick. And Notre Dame fans know this guy, though. Rodney Gallagher at West Virginia might put up some numbers. Because do they have okay. anybody else at wide receiver? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and they're going to build They're going to build around him. That's for sure. They're going to definitely build around him. All right, let's get to some more. That's some good questions here. Here's one from John A1. John says, how fast is Holden's face and Eli Raritan in comparison to the Notre Dame wide receivers? Can they be more impactful vertical players? Well, we already know that Eli Raritan has the fastest 10-yard split time in the history of mankind. 
Uh, so yes. faster than any tight end in the draft in the last six or seven years that I went back hey, and looked for. Hey man, I'm, I, I yeah. want to see him race Logan Thomas. Okay, I just want to see yep. it. four three Logan Thomas. Sure. Yep. Uh, no, in, in all seriousness, how fast are they compared to the wide receivers? Some of them, if if Holden st- if if Eli Brandon is back to full speed and back to full health after a second a knee injury, right? Yeah. Assuming he gets back to full speed, there are some receivers he will be faster than. Yeah. I mean, just that's just the reality of it. He is he is probably a legit high four five, low four six guy right now, Ryan. I would say. Um, if he gets back to that, then that's pure vertical speed. So yes. there's a couple guys that are good football. I, I would be I would not be shocked if at full speed he's a touch faster than Jaden Thomas or Jaden Greathouse, Greathouse, right? Yeah. Yep. Holden Stace is 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 more uh, quick and smooth than he is really fast, in my opinion. Right. I don't know. I think he's more of a he has more natural tight end speed to me. Now, does he give you some Alize Mack type of vibes? Yeah. right. Like that's yeah. kind of how with I his see head him screwed on a little bit tighter. Yes, 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 yes definitely with that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think that I think that one two punch can be very good. Now, I, look, I understand the concerns about the injuries and all that kind of stuff, but I. <laughs> I listen to people talk about how they're uncertain about the tight end future and they don't know if we have any dynamic players. And I'm like, well, I get the concern about Eli Raritan getting healthy, but I think Mitchell Evans has a chance to be really good. I think Holden Stace has a chance to be really good. I think Eli Raritan has a chance to be really good. And, you know, I think Cooper Flanagan is the perfect complement to all three of those guys. Yes. In my opinion. So now, of course, Eli getting healthy is, is important. And then Mitchell Evans staying healthy is important. And I did, I was able to get confirmation yesterday, Ryan, mm-hmm. that uh, Mitchell Evans injury for the spring game was very minor. And it was yeah. just about them keeping out anybody with any kind of remote thing. They're just going to keep out, which is why you had like 40 guys not playing. He could have played in the spring maintenance, game. Maintenance. maintenance right. Right. It was yeah. like, look, you know, it was a situation where, if they had a game on that Saturday, like a real game that Saturday, he'd have played and been fine. He'd you know, been able to go and, and play. So he didn't have anything major that should linger into the offseason or into the season. Now, he's been banged up, though, each of his first two years. He's got to stay healthy. That's going to be a key. But I, I really like the tight end room because I think I think the tight end room brings a lot more pass-catching ability to the table maybe than, than it has in the past. It The question is how they use it. And we had a question down here that I want to get to, Ryan, that ties into this conversation because I think it was a really good question, and it's something I'm very curious about to to see with uh with coach with Coach Parker. Like, how does the tight ends coach being the offensive coordinator impact the tight end room, if it if at all, right? And we we know the starter will catch a lot of balls. That's not a doubt. But will they do more depth? And this is something. That where where's the uh, here we go. This is from John A one as well. He said, "Is Georgia making better overall use of its tight end room in comparison to Notre Dame?" And my answer is yes, but not because of Brock Bowers. They right. are maximizing Brock Bowers to his talent potential, just like Notre Dame did with Michael Mayer. The results are going to look different because they're different players. Brock's going to yeah. have more big plays. He's going to have more yards per catch. Michael's going to have more touchdowns and catches, which is exactly what happened last year, right? That's not a surprise. The difference is, is their number two tight end caught 28 passes for 454 yards. And then well, if you really look at their next three tight ends, they had 35 catches last year for over 500 yards. It looks like if my math is at all correct. Yeah, because Oscar Delp had 61 yards. Eric Gilbert had 16. 
So that's seven, that's 80 yards on top of Darnell Washington's 454. So that's over 530 yards of, from their number two tight ends. And then you look at Notre Dame and how they use their, and this has been an issue for, for years, their tight ends had backup tight ends had seven catches for let's see 83, 94 yards. In 2021, their backup tight ends had six catches. In 2020, their backup tight end, Tommy Tremble had 19, Brock had three, so that'd be 22, 25, 26 catches. That was the best year they had in a while with their number two tight ends. Only had four catches in 2019. In 2018, you had Cole Komet and uh, the, the other tight ends combined for 20, you know, for about 180 yards. So I, I don't think that they have utilized the tight end room yeah, as as well as they need to, and as like when you have Brock Wright and Tommy Tremble, and you're not using them more in the pass game, and you're struggling at receiver with depth like they were in 2020, why would you not use them more in the pass game? Great question, right? Yeah. So yes, I think Georgia in the last couple of years has made better use of their room. Now, if he would have said, you know, if it's the best tight end at Georgia, better than the best tight end at Notre Dame, I'd say no. They're both maximizing the talent of the guys they've had, but when it comes to room, Ryan. There's no debating those numbers. I mean, you, you literally can't debate those numbers. And I think Georgia was even better in 21 than they were in 20 because they had so many issues. But, he, you know, even then they had, they had 19 catches. But the difference in 2021 was a lot of those guys kept getting hurt. Darnell Washington was hurt a lot of the year. Eric Gilbert was having his issues. You know, I mean, yes. you weren't healthy in 2021. This year they were more healthy and they used those guys, a- including a freshman. Oscar Dope was a freshman this past year, correct? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And they got him on the field. Oscar Delp was a true freshman in their number three tight end. Basically had the same production as Notre Dame's entire depth chart behind Michael Mayer. That 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 shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, yeah, I do think George is making better use of it. But but this is the whole thing is you have Mitchell Evans. You have Holden Stace. You have Eli Raritan. Eventually, Eli's going to come back. Now, I would take it as slow as possible with Eli. And if he's not ready till November, then I wouldn't play him till November. If he's not ready at all this season, I wouldn't play him. If he's ready in the middle of October, fine. I would be very patient with with Eli Redden to make sure he doesn't have any further injury issues with that knee that he's now injured, you know, hurt twice. Yeah. You know, but you've got Cooper Flanagan. You've got Kevin Bauman who can do certain things. You've got Davis Sherwood, who's a very good blocker and showed in the spring game. He can make some plays over the middle of the field. He had a great he had one of the better catches in the spring game on that throw from I mean, Sam Hartman. Cut where he yeah. got hit pretty hard when he made that catch. You've got Cooper Flanagan, who you and I think physically is a kid that is is going to come in a little bit more ready to play physically, size, strength, the pro competition he's played against and all that than other tight ends, Ryan. So there's yeah. no excuse to be a one tight end production team this year. None, in my opinion. And so um, we'll see if that changes or not. And I, the answer is I don't know if it's going to change because it's a new OC, but I'm hopeful that it does. You know, we'll just have to see. We shall see. I mean, to your point, I I, th- I think that the diversity of the Notre Dame room, I think, is really exciting. It really is. Because, I mean, when you talk about comparing Mitchell Evans to Holden Stace and whenever Eli Raritan gets back and Cooper Flanagan and Kevin Bauman, and, like, it's ve- it's a very different room as far as, like, varying skill sets. I'm interested to see Georgia this year, how they're able to utilize all their tight ends now. Because the one good thing that they had last year was – Darnell Washington was so much different than what else they had in the room. Like Brock Bowers and him are polar opposites. This year, you're going to have Oscar Delp. You're going to have Pierce Sperlin. 
they're a little bit cut from the same cloth as Brock Bowers to a degree, right? Like they're more definitely like heavy pass game implementation type of guys. So I'm interested to see how Georgia utilizes their full tight end room. I think Notre Dame has a chance and I think it's the blessing in disguise of, you know, Mitchell Evans being limited at the end of the spring and Eli not playing in the spring is that Holden State's got a lot of reps, man, got a lot of reps. So if you're able to get a lot of reps out of him, you're able to have Mitchell Evans take a step forward. You're able to get Eli Raritan back at some point during the season, potentially. I, I think you have a chance to be pretty good at tight ends. It's just about varying skill sets. And I mean, you you would think that Coach Parker would play a big role in that. You would think. He works with those yeah. guys every day. He should have some yeah. good ideas of how he can utilize them for sure. I want to address something, Ryan, that just has continued to puzzle me uh, about comments that people make. And, and this is a comment from We Are Not Marshall. And and I I don't understand why this continues to be a mantra that some people have. Look, I don't – and he, he says, guys, I love Tobias Merriweather, but a 1,000 yards is just a wicked stretch. I don't I don't understand this, Ryan. Now, do yeah. I think – neither of us have predicted him for a 1,000 yards because we think the ball is going to get spread around. It has nothing to do with Tobias's talent. Yeah. Just at Notre Dame alone – this has been a common thing, very common thing. Golden Tate, six catches for 131 yards and one touchdown as a freshman. Year two, 58 catches, 1,080 yards, 10 touchdowns. While splitting carries with or touches with Michael Floyd and Kyle Rudolph and plenty of other guys. You go to 2013, Will Fuller, six catches, 160 yards, one touchdown. Almost all that production came against Air Force. Year two, what do you have? 76 catches for like 1,094 yards and 15 touchdowns. Equinemi St. Brown as, in fre- as a freshman in 2015. One catch, one catch for eight yards. He goes out the next year in only 12 games because they didn't play in a bowl game, has 58 catches for 900 and some yards and uh, 962 yards and nine touchdowns. If they play a bowl game, he's over 1,000 yards, right? And that was on a bad team. Do yep. I think he's going to get to 1,000 yards this year? No, but it's simply because I think the ball is going to get spread around. But to call it a wicked stretch, and I see people on the board talking about this. Like someone on the board yesterday or two days ago, Ryan, I'm not sure if you saw this, was like, you know, hey, I, I can't go with Sam Hartman, you know, beating Brady Quinn's record because he doesn't have any – he doesn't have Jeff Samarge and most – and I'm like, do you not remember who those guys were before 2005 yeah. and 2006? You know what I mean? Like Jaden Thomas has has more production last year than Jeff Samarja had the year before. He had a All American, you know, Bolitnikov finalist breakout season in two thousand five, right? Like, do we forget that? Like every player that's ever emerged was unproven until the minute he emerged. Even guys that are freshmen going to yep. see say, "Well, the guy's never done anything. Let's see what he can do." Okay, he can produce. That's college that's football. Yeah. That happens every year. And I don't understand why people are like, why well, it hasn't happened because they haven't proven it yet. Well, yeah, they haven't proven it yet, but that's everybody hasn't proven it till the minute they prove it. And I just don't understand why some people continue to make this argument that, oh, this is just a big stretch. Is it going to happen? I don't know. I have no idea if it's going to happen. I just don't quite understand why some people just ignore the fact that this has been a relatively common occurrence at Notre Dame, that guys go from almost no production to big time production, just like that. Receiver is not offensive line. It's not defensive line. You don't need three, four years of development if you have talent and if you have good coaching. You don't. And on top of that, Ryan, you got to look at his skill set. His skill set is perfectly suited for what the quarterback likes to do. That's the other part of it. Yeah. And I just don't think people are 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 putting are are putting enough thought into all those things to, to when they constantly say, Oh no, I mean that's that's asking a lot. Is it really asking a lot of a guy? 
to go from a freshman to sophomore breakout because it happens all the time at Notre Dame and at other places all the time, Ryan. You, I know when you do the draft, you see it all. You see a guy as a freshman catch seven or eight balls and then boom, break out the next well, year. How, look at, look how many the, yards receiving? State. How many Ohio yards State. receiving did Jackson Smith and Jigba have as a freshman? Uh, I don't even remember. It's like forty six. Yeah, forty six. Because yeah, it was yeah. it was weird. He had one of the weirdest stat lines I've ever seen for a freshman. He had ten catches. But his 10 catches went for 49 yards. So 49 yards, one touchdown as a true freshman. The yeah, next year he has 95 catches for 1,600 yards and nine touchdowns on a team with another 1,000-yard receiver and another guy with 936 receiving yards. Yep. Right? So uh, it's not the stretch that people make it out to be. And I'm and, and I, I, I puzzled why some people just continue to believe that it's just this impossible task, uh, and I don't understand why that is because there's no evidence that it's an impossible task there's mount, mountains of evidence on the opposite side of it though I, including just looking at notre dame ryan just yep. looking at notre dame and so uh yeah we'll see we'll see if it happens or not though we'll see what it ha- if it happens shall see if that's one. we had a question from irish blood who said what are your thoughts uh, i'm sorry what thoughts do you have on matt leinert's kid cole as a 2026 recruit and how does it make you feel he has a son that is a college recruit he was there in attendance yesterday obviously so so i didn't he didn't stand out to me but he's a 26 kid yeah i couldn't watch everybody i so i i don't have any opinion on on cole leinert as a prospect but i'll say this it does make me feel really old because i didn't feel i was like i wasn't exactly young like when I find, you know, Jim Flanagan's got a kid that's being recruited and Bryant Young's got a kid that's being yeah. recruited. And some of those, you know, um, I think Flash Gordon's kid was on campus yesterday working out like, OK, yeah, I get that because I was like 10, 12, 13, you know, 15 <laughs> when those guys were were playing at Notre Dame. But when you're talking about guys like, you know, the. I was coaching and when those guys were in college, you know what I mean? And it's, it's like, it's getting, it's, it's getting crazy, Brian. Drake or Patrick's son. Yeah. That's a little a bit unique because he was like 15 when he had that. Kid. You know <laughs> what I like mean? Like 16, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a little bit different. But yeah, it, it, does, like, it does make Drake me feel Patrick's like 33 and has a son yeah. that's going to be a high school senior next yeah. year. Just that's a little different, you know, because his yeah. circumstance was a little different. But yeah, it does. It does make me feel very old. Yeah, it does. Irish blooded. Thank you for that, by the way. Thank you for I, making I, me feel old. I did try to watch a little bit of Cole Liner because he had a few highlights from modern day last year. He only threw like 17 passes, though. He was like eight for yeah. 17 or something like that. Kid looks pretty talented, though. So. What, do you, what do you think of Elijah Brown? He's fine. He's fine. Mm-hmm. He's a good quarterback. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Didn't move the needle for me personally, but yeah, it's fine. I think he's a nice, yeah, I think he's a, yeah, I agree. He's interesting because he hasn't gotten a lot better. I thought he was pretty good as a, as a freshman. I was like, this kid's got some talent and he just has kind of just been that same dude Mm -hmm. ever since. Hasn't really had that big growth spurt that you'd expect a guy (sighs) to have from an arm, arm strength and size and type of standpoint. You know what I mean? Not that he doesn't work hard. He just hasn't really gotten any bigger or stronger. In my Every, everything's pretty easy at some of those schools too right it's just like which future pac 12 receiver am i throwing to today you know like it's just it's it's not that hard it's like i know jt yeah. daniels was great man but it's like you know could be worse than throwing to abin ross a brown and brew mccoy and all those cats you know what i mean yeah. like it's, yeah. it's not the worst thing in the world <laughs> yeah it, it really isn't it really isn't uh it's a we got some super chats down here ryan i want to get to so we got the one from Rob Osgood, and here we go. 
We had a super chat from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Charlie, thank you so much. Happy Friday, gents. You too as well. Here's to hoping Nerding cleans it up at safety recruiting. Side question. Opinions about all the Conor McGregor situation currently. If you're not comfortable stating opinion, it's okay. Is that what he like hurt the guy? Or no, he, right? like, no uh, he's being accused of uh, raping a woman at that game. And basically all I've read is that she basically elbowed him and got away. Um, I, look, I'll just say this. I, uh, believe two things and, 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 uh, one is people in this country should be innocent until proven guilty. We tend to nowadays have it the opposite. You know, people are guilty yeah. until they prove innocent. I don't, you're innocent until proven guilty. Number one. Yeah. Number two, I don't like speaking on such things until I have all the facts. Yes. Because we've seen both sides where like yes. it's a very criminal, but then on the other side where it's like that guy didn't do anything wrong. They were right. just trying to get their moment. I mean, right. yes. And then so. you hear things like there's no way that actually happened that way. And they come to find out, yep, it actually happened that way. So I'm going to hold judgment until I see all that. But I just sadly, because of how often this happens with things, I tend to be more skeptical of them nowadays, which is I'm not pleased about. It's just we see it so much that it's just kind of like, eh, okay. Yeah. But I always say, and I always say this, I always hope that those things are fake because I'd rather it be fake than someone actually have to go through that experience. Yes. I'd rather you live with the fact that you were a, you know, money grabber and you can, you deal with that on your own than to say, Hey, you had to deal with it as a woman. You had to deal with this happening to you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know that may sound weird, but it, it, it's just kind of what I always hope to have happen because I couldn't imagine yeah. as a as a parent as a like if somebody did that to my sister or my wife you know I just it wouldn't go well it wouldn't yes. go well so yeah I I don't know anything about that situation I thought we were talking about yeah. the mascot no. thing where like he broke someone's nose or whatever no. it ended up it being just came out like that. last night or today right gotcha it's, gotcha so beyond that I I don't I don't have a lot to say about the specifics of the case so I just we'll we'll see how it plays out yeah. We had another super chat from Nathan Milton. Thank you so much, Nathan. He says, does Jay Love project to NFL better at safety? Are we talking about Jeremiah Love there? I, I, hmm. I, I don't know who he's talking about. I mean, because if he's talking about Julian Love, the answer is yeah. yes. Because he plays safety. Let me yeah. <laughs> see if he, let me see if Nathan follows up down here. I just want to see if he follows up. Because mm-hmm. after, because I'm 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 about where he is in the in the chat, and I want to see if he follows up to talk about who who he's referring to. I don't I don't see a follow up yet, Ryan. So um, yeah, I got just, my eyes. He said, "Let's Jeremiah. just assume that we're talking about Jeremiah." Since we he said, know he just Julian said Jeremiah Love. in the chat. Okay, so that, that is a verified. All right, yes. so let's let's go with that then. I, Nathan, I think that Jeremiah Love could play safety if he wanted to, but I think he's a running back. Like, I think he's an offensive player. I th- I think that that kid is too special with the football in his hand to take it out of it. Like, that's just kind of what I see with it. So, in a dire situation, could you throw him in there and he could he be a good safety? I'm sure he could be because Jeremiah Love is a really, really good athlete. And he's pretty mm-hmm. physical. And he's not afraid to – Put his nose in there. I mean, he's even said to me before that, like, I could be a corner if I wanted to. I could be a safety. Like, okay, sure. But I just think he's too good with the football in his hands. Like, that, I have no reason to ever move him to defense, in my opinion. Just a little, very little reason. Agree completely. We had a super chat from James O'Reilly who said, Just curious, what is your guys' favorite non-Notre Dame game? The two that really stand out to me, 
the 07 Fiesta Bowl, and the 2012 Sugar Bowl. 07 Fiesta Bowl. What was the is that, oh, is that Boise State, Oklahoma? Yeah, I, that's the only one that I can think of. I mean, there's been actually some really good Fiesta Bowls over the year. That was Boise State, Oklahoma. That was a great game. That was yeah. a great game. U- USC, tr- Texas, baby, the, the Rose Bowl. That's, that's yeah, that was a phenomenal me. game. You know what? One of my favorite bowl games ever was, Ryan. You're going to find this yeah. very odd and random. It was back when Dan Hawkins was still the head coach of Boise State, but it was a okay. it was a Liberty Bowl game, I believe, between Boise State and Louisville. Stephon LaFleur's was the quarterback oh, I for that Louisville. Yeah. That's a really fun game. I've, that's a game just always kind of stuck out to me. Michigan, Alabama, Orange Bowl in was it 2000, 2001? Tom yeah. Brady versus Sean Alexander. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bama wins it because mi- I think Michigan – no, Michigan won it, excuse me, because Alabama missed an extra point in overtime, which was just wild. Uh, that was one of the best Orange Bowls I've ever seen. Um, so 2012 Sugar Bowl, what what, what was that one? I'm, I'm trying, trying to remember to... that one was. That was yeah, – well. That was Michigan-Virginia Tech. I don't remember. Oh, wait, is that? Wait, Virginia Tech. I'm trying to remember that game. That's 11 Sugar Bowls, Ohio State, Arkansas. 2012 Michigan, Virginia Tech. I don't remember that one. That was Denard Robinson, but I don't remember that being a great game. Louisville, Florida in 2013. I, I'm not sure which one, uh, which I, mean, I assume Virginia Tech, Michigan. Hmm. Those are some ones that stood out for me. Um, you know, I, I, a game that I, I've always thought was a, fun, a great regular season game was the 2006 Michigan Ohio State game. It was a great game. It was an amazing game. Um, Texas, Michigan, the year in 2004, I think it was the Rose Bowl. Michigan mm-hmm. and Texas played. Let me let me look that one up, Brian. I think it was the, the 2006, 2004 Rose Bowl, I believe. It was the 2005 Rose Bowl. So it was after the 2004 season, 2005 Rose Bowl. Michigan and Texas, it was Vince Young was in that game too, had a phenomenal game. Uh, Michigan had a big lead. Uh, Texas came back, outscored them 17 to six in the second half. It was 14, 14 at halftime. Michigan outscored them 17, seven in the third quarter. Texas came back, outscored them 37 to or 17 to six in the final quarter. Uh, Dusty Mangum hit a field goal with just a couple minutes left. I mean, not, not, a, not much, not much time left. Really. That was one of my favorite bowl games. That was a heck of a game, heck of a game between those teams. I, I know that there was a lot of controversy at the end, but the Miami, Ohio State yeah. National Championship game was a really good game. It was a really good game. I, I I can't remember who they played, Brian, but I remember that there was a great Iowa Bowl game with Drew Tate back in the day, and I watched that game, but I can't remember who they played. Albert Young was the running back. I, I need to go back and look it up, but like yeah. that was a great bowl game. I remember. Um, look that up. I'm gonna find that yeah. while you're thinking of some others. I can't. I can't remember that. I can't remember who they were playing. But I just remember it was a great game that I watched the whole thing. Vince Young, USC. Yes, that one is just was the LSU games. game in uh, 2005, January 2005, 30 we'll to 20. Score that one. 30 to 25. That may have been the one. That, may that was his one. first year. The next year they beat. They lost to Florida 31-24, and then his last year as a starter in a bowl game they beat. They lost to Texas 26-24. So. Yeah, I think I think All it was the games. first one because I think I I think yeah. Iowa won the game that I'm referring to. So yeah, Boise State Oklahoma is a really good one though because oh, yeah. you had all like the Ian Johnson proposing after right. the game for Boise State. You had the Statue well, of Liberty, the hook and ladder, like all type of stuff. It was crazy in the game. The other thing too, Ryan, is it wasn't a game where we've seen games where like the finishes are crazy, but the game was boring. Like 
one of my favorite finishes ever as a Denver Bronco fan is the drive in 2000 or 1986, uh, the AFC championship game, the drive, but that was a like 13 to 13 game up and you know what I mean? Like it, it was an ugly game. I think Cleveland went up 2013. That game tied it like 2020. It was, it's an ugly, boring, dirty, mud filled game, but the finish was phenomenal. What I loved about the Boise State Oklahoma game is it was a great game from like start to same with Texas USC in 05. That was just a great game from start to finish. Yeah. You know, and that's that's just that's one of the reasons I really enjoyed that game. So. I know that you that USC game, Texas game was like that was worth every penny. Yes. You know what I mean? Like from start yes. like t- to your point, from like start to finish, you're like just captivated by that game. Like it was just so entertaining, so back and forth, so many great storylines. It was incredible. I mean, because Brian, I mean, how do we remember that USC team if they win that game? I mean, that is one of the better teams that we have seen ever. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that USC team for that two-year stretch was just silly good, man. Yeah. Like that was NFL players everywhere. I mean, I think people forget how just talented that USC team was. Like forget Reggie Bush and Lindell White and the guys that you remember, but like, Go look at the linebackers on that team with Brian Cushing and Clay Matthews and all those Keith Rivers and Ray Maluga. Like it was just a crazy embarrassment of riches on that defense. Yeah. Here, here's a question I want to quickly say: Was the was we was we are Marshall the biggest loss in Notre Dame history? No. Was he the biggest loss of the season? Yeah. Like the Stanford loss was way worse than the Marshall loss. Marshall's nine of they lost to a four and eight Northwestern team in 2016. The the Marshall loss wasn't even the worst loss in the history of the 2022 season, in my opinion, Ryan. So I don't know if you disagree with that, but no, Marshall's a good football team. Notre Dame had no business losing to Marshall, none. Yeah, but they were a nine win football team last year. They were not a bad football team. Marshall would have smacked Stanford if they would have played, in my opinion. Stanford wasn't going to score on that Marshall team or defense. Are you kidding me? That's a really good defense. Yeah. Again, no excuse to lose that game for Notre Dame. None. It's just about, like, let's not act like they lost to App State in 2007, right? Like, this wasn't some FCS team. This is a really good group of five team that you should have beat that would have smacked the – I mean, guys, Stanford had not lost a, had not won a game over a power five team in over a calendar year when they beat Notre Dame last year. Like that was a way yeah. worse loss than the, the Marshall game. Yeah. So yeah, I can't call a loss. It wasn't even your worst loss of a season uh, in all time worst loss. So that, um, that, that game just popped on my timeline recently, Brian, the uh, app state Michigan game. I always mm-hmm. love watching the uh, blocked kick and Corey Lynch picked yeah. it up. Just fantastic. Man. Absolutely. Yep. Fantastic. Absolutely. One of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. Uh, James O'Reilly with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, James. Where where, where Teddy Bridgewater played through those injuries and took a beating and never stopped, what a gutsy performer. He's talking about the the game, the the bowl, the one he's clarifying. Yeah. We're talking about which Sugar Bowl. He's talking about the, the one with Louisville and Florida. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. That's oh, what he's he referring was, to. He yeah. balled out. Teddy was really game, good that man. game. Yes, really good that game. Yeah. yeah. That was Charlie Strong team. That was biggest yeah. win of Charlie Strong's career, beating Florida. That's when, that's when I thought Charlie Strong was a good coach, man. Yeah. I'm like, sheesh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Teddy was a really underrated college quarterback. He was a yeah. really good quarterback. And the thing about him taking a beating is he was never very big. He Ever. was a small guy. And, yeah. and you know, and he looks like a kid. I mean, even now today, 
Teddy Bridgewater looks like a college kid. I mean, because he's just got that baby face. You know, he had like braces when he was in college. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's a tough kid, man. He really he was, was so a good, good, good college quarterback. Really good college quarterback. I, I really think that they messed him up early on in his career, man, like the, in the NFL. Because you remember t- Teddy at Louisville, man, he took some shots down the field, you know, and then he gets to the NFL and it's just like, check down Teddy. And then he mm-hmm. gets hurt. And it's just like, it just was never the same, man. Because, I mean, go watch that game. He threw some times down the field against Florida. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Money throws. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, was good, uh, that was a heck really of a good. game. We have a super sticker from Sam Anderson. Sam, thank you very, very much for that. And then that is it for the uh, the super chats for now, Ryan. So we're going to go back up to the top and uh, get a question here from Adam Blair. Adam's question, mailbag. I know it's early, but who are some 2025 kids you think Notre Dame has built a great relationship with early and may have a chance to land? No, it's it's, it's funny, Ryan. I'm going to let you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to let you answer this question. It's just kind of funny because you and I were just talking about this like yesterday. So, yes. um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what literally brian texted me it was like who do you think the next 2025 commit is <laughs> like um yeah. let, let me think about that i mean yeah so great question adam so some guys that they build a great relationship with i think nate justin roberts. thurman what, i'm sorry nate roberts nate well nate roberts is a very good one yes nate roberts at tight end is a very good one i think justin thurman at running back is a very good one early on offensive line i think owen strebig is a very good job by them early on I believe defensively, Cree Thomas is a very good job by them early on. I'm trying to think of any linebackers. Oh, Landon McComer is a guy that has really been receptive to Notre Dame very, very early on. I think they're doing a good job with Christopher Burgess. I don't think that one's going to end anytime soon, but I think that they put themselves in a very good position with Christopher Burgess. So, yeah, Brian mentioned Nate Roberts. So, Roberts, Thurman, Strebig. Christopher Burgess, Landon Cree McComer, Thomas. Cree Thomas. Yes, uh, a, a lot, lot of – yes, they're yeah. in very good positions with all those guys right now. Yeah, and, and there's – Taylor Taylor, did you mention him? I did not mention Taylor. Taylor's yeah, one that they've done a really good job with there. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some kids on the board. And, uh, Deuce, Deuce Knight, obviously, yeah. the quarterback. They, they put themselves in a, in a good yeah. position with Deuce, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, they have a chance. I mean, there's a uh, – Matty Augustine is a guy that I think Notre Dame is uh, – the kid that they offered yesterday, Ryan from uh, called New York, the Dream School, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the offensive lineman, yeah, um, good player, you know, so, by the way. yeah, player. very much so, very much so. So yeah, the, the, I'll tell you this, Ryan, they're doing a really well in the twenty-five class so far. They are like they're they are. they're they're grinding, and this is this is the thing that I'll say. Al Washington has, still has a lot to prove as a defensive line coach, but I do think he's kind of overcome some of his early miscues when it comes to work ethic. I think he still needs to work smarter. Sure. I think he can be a little sporadic still. I think he needs to work smarter and be more focused and, and, and that type of thing, but he's working hard. There's nobody on the staff outside of Al Golden where I'm like, dude, are you really putting in the work as a recruiter right now? Like that's the right. only person who right now I question from a, from a, are you doing enough? Are you taking it serious enough to get it done? There's guys who aren't doing sure. a good job with finishing, but there's not a lot of guys that I question, boy, are you really working? And they've thrown out a right. ton of 25 already, Ryan. They have. On. they have actually I was, i'm gonna i'm gonna look at this right I, now Let's see one yeah. two three four five six seven eight nine ten so 20 they've already thrown out about 125 plus offers already in the 25 it's class it's insane yeah. number this early yeah, yeah I, really I was just is. looking I, i'm actually on the same list i was i was looking down just to make sure i didn't miss anybody like i think that they've put themselves in a good position 
if they push for Gus Ritchie, defensive yep. end out of North Carolina. Trey going to be a tough kid to pull out of Ohio, but they've done a really good job there. Yep. CJ May, the pass rusher yep. out of Alabama. Again, it's going to be tough to get him out of the South, but like he is very receptive to Notre Dame as we currently yeah. see. Justin today. Hill from Ohio is a kid yep. that, that yep. is just Christian Jones, linebacker from uh, from Nebraska. Noah McHale is a kid that I think they've done a pretty good job with. I think they need yep. to stay on and, and continue. Uh, obviously, they got so, Davion Dixon in the class already. I'll tell you what, yeah. they're doing a really good job with Anthony Saka as well, the yes. linebacker oh, out, of, kid, out of Ryan. Philadelphia. So obviously, I'll he's got a. Yeah, you know how much it hurt me when they lost um, the kid Garrett from Stover. Ohio this Garrett past Stover. year. Uh, Garrett Stover. Garrett Stover. Yeah, that hurt, man. Yes. Anthony Sack is a taller, even faster version of Cade Sto- of Anthony Stover. Oh, so man. that that'll that'll help ease Rover, my heart man. break yes. of losing Anthony Stover. That that'll help ease my pain. You know, so. Anthony Saka was built to play Rover yes. in the defense. <laughs> like he plays, yes. he plays middle of the field safety yes. for his. High I'll say this: absurd. they're gonna they're gonna end up turning down some really good tight ends in the twenty five class too. Yes. Like they, yes, they Jared Parker has built some very strong relationships in the twenty five class, and they can't yeah. take them all. I think if they wanted to, they could land five tight ends in the twenty five class. I, I was going to say that's another good one. Is if they wanted to pursue Ryan Gee out of Georgia, like yeah. they, I think could definitely get Ryan Gee. Yeah, like, there's no James doubt. Flanagan's He's, one. Yes. Jack yeah. Van Dorselayers, a kid that they they have a really good relationship <laughs> with. If they wanted to land four or five tight, Marshall Pritchett, if they wanted to offer him, they think they'd get him. I mean, there's. There's some talented tight ends that are on the board. They're going to have to turn some kids away. I mean, that's I saw, the reality of it. I saw some highlights of Marshall, by the way, because I, I actually um, interviewed him earlier today, and, man, mm-hmm. he, he made some nice catches. He's a good football player. Man, he yeah, he's a good nice football grabs. player. Yeah. He's got great hands, a good route runner. I, you know, the, the the long speed's a bit of a question, yeah. but the frame is there, good hands. The good prop, the skills, only, you man. know the problem for Marshall, Marshall Pritchett, Ryan? The problem yeah. is he's in a loaded tight end class. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. It, 25 is an absolutely loaded tight end class. Silly. And some that's of the silly. best tight ends in the class are guys that are very high on Notre Dame. And so yes. it, it it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, I'm looking at the list, man. It's just like Ryan Gee can play. Notre Dame might not even be able to take. AJ IA out of California is a kid that they offered right. a few weeks ago that can play. Cooper Perry. Derek yes. Meadows, those are some Brandon oh, Fuzzer just mentioned them too. Cooper that, that's Perry a good is one. Yeah, definitely Cooper one. Cooper Perry is one that if Notre Dame wants, I think they have a very good chance yeah. of Cooper Perry. Absolutely. Derek that's Meadows is interesting, Ryan, because he's tall. He's athletic. I mean, he is fast. That's the Bishop Gorman kid. kid, right? Yeah. He just doesn't yeah. catch the ball very well. It's kind of an mm-hmm. important thing. It doesn't he was at Irish Invasion, right? He was at the yeah. Irish Invasion. Yeah. yeah. Dorian Bruce won. I think they're in a good place there. They're in a good yeah. place there. Uh, talking yeah. to the source the other day, they're they're in a really good place there. Elijah Golden is a kid. Now it's going to be hard to get him out of Florida. Dallas Golden. He has a lot of in- Dallas Golden. Sorry, yeah. Dallas Golden is a kid that has a lot of interest in Notre Dame as well. So, look, it's an impressive list so far. It's a, but Ryan, it's the same thing as this year and last year. It's going to come down to how they close, right? Yeah. But there's no shortage of big time players, and that's partly why the finish in 24 is so important to me. And and well, I should say to us because I know we've had this conversation, Ryan. If they can finish well, so here's what I would say. There's five kids on the board that you need to close on three of them at least, of uncommitted kids. Carter Nelson, Gearby Lambert, Justin Scott, Kingston Villiama Asa, and Bronte Johnson. Okay, of those five kids, you got to get three of them. And, And I would say at least three of them. You do that, you've got a 
easy top seven, eight class, depending on who those guys are. Now, if, yeah. if the five are, you know, if you get more than five, you're talking about an easy top five class. Like if you get Carter Nelson, Gearby Lambert, Justin Scott and Bronte and you miss on Kingston and you've got to take a Bradley Shaw or, or Lawson Pritchett or somebody like that. Like, okay, I got some questions about the linebacker class, but that's yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like I'm feeling really good. And then if you're able to flip a Caleb, I mean, so there's a chance for this to be a top five class. And if you can finish on it, because I, I have a feeling, Ryan, there's a lot of buzz about Notre Dame. There's more buzz in the 25 class about Notre Dame than there is in the 24 class, which it's, is, it's interesting. It's yeah. kind of strange. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's a ton of buzz. I mean, looking at this list, Ryan, there's so many like big time players that have yeah. made their way to Notre Dame in the last three months from the 25 class. There is. I mean, uh-huh. almost every kid that we just went and mentioned has visited in the last three months. Yep. So uh, it's going to be about closing. And it's also why we focus so much on, uh, you know, Notre Dame kind of getting into these situations where if you can have a great season and put the product on the field that we think they're going to put on the field, that's why I'm getting fired about 25. And you can't have those big misses in 24 that are kind of like, you know, 23, 24. 25 you gotta you gotta at least get the 24 class here and yeah. finish strong because if they can finish strong they will have landed a top five class in a down year that's yep. huge huge for notre dame and that's why this finish is going to be so important okay it, it, it really is If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.